my name is Alicia Gregg and I am the host. On this show, we cover the topic of being a brave mom and how to raise brave kids that are willing to do the work that God is calling them to do for his kingdom. My oldest is going to be turning nine in August. And you know, sometimes I just look at him and wonder how he got so big, so fast. Do you ever look at your kids and think that? I'm sure you do, I know all moms do. But he has opinions and he's developed wisdom and he has knowledge of things that I didn't teach him. He has preferences and comebacks. He makes breakfast for his younger siblings. Now, he's my firstborn. He's the one who made me a mother. And when I look at him, honestly, I feel like it was not too long ago that I gave birth to him. I remember the events vividly. The feeling of holding him for the first time, being that first time mom with a baby in my arms, the fear of bringing him home, and really just having no clue at all how to be a parent. Now, while he still has so much growing to do, I am just in awe of the growing that he has already done. When I think about the experiences he has had on his own with the father, praying on his own when he's in trouble, and having integrity when no one's around, but because he is so aware that he has a responsibility to honor his father in heaven. So he practices self-control and discipline without me constantly nagging and instructing him. These are the moments that I live for. It is what drives me when I'm tired to be a consistent parent and always turning them back to Christ. They won't always have me, but they will always and forever have Christ. And it is everything to me that they personally know him and have built their own relationship with him, where they have experiences with him and can retell stories. Like I remember this one time God did this for me, or he said this to me, or he led me, or he comforted me when nobody was around. I want my kids to have those stories. So <laughs> raising godly children, who truly love and desire him most to please him despite the pressure and influences of the world is a really big job. I have this desire to want to do that. But you know, taking the first step was overwhelming because there is so much I wanted to teach them, so much I wanted to do, but I couldn't do it all at once. So we started doing these little scripture meditations. This is one of the ways that I get the word into my kids. It's how I lead them into encounters with the Holy Spirit. It's how their moral compass is established and shaped, not by our own judgments, but by kingdom principles. I want my kids to be rooted in conviction and understanding of truth. So when the world tries to tell them what is right or they're left to, to decide for themselves, then they have a spirit-led morality that will guide them into the truth they've learned. So that's what we're going to talk about today is what these scripture meditations look like and how they've changed me and my children. Let me first tell you 
how the scripture meditations go down. Typically, God leads me to a scripture, and he does this many different ways. Sometimes it's based off of a lesson that we're currently learning, like in their Sunday school, or, you know, maybe it's a season of struggle, something they're having a hard time with. Sometimes I just open my Bible and it pops out at me, or it's a scripture in a book that I read. But after I find the scripture, uh, my kids get their journals and we all sit at the dining room table. And I read the scripture word for word, usually in the ICB translation, which is the children's Bible, um, sometimes in NIV or the Holman Christian Standard Bible or even ESV, depending on the text that I think that they can understand what's easier. And as an added bonus, they get to work through spelling and handwriting and sentence structure, which is just altogether cool. We always write the date and the Bible address, so they get to learn the books of the Bible as well. We get it all written down, and most of the time, I have to give a little backstory to the scripture for, to help them understand what's going on. Like, for example, this is Jesus talking to his disciples the night before he goes to the cross. It's important for the meditation that they understand the context of the story and what is happening because we don't ever want to pick apart God's word and, and make it what we want or just take it at surface level value because I think this is where his word gets twisted and misused. So it's important that they understand who is talking and what the setting of the story is or it could be deeply misunderstood. From there, I usually play classical music, is a favorite in our home, and they all go off to a quiet spot in the house of their choosing. I set seven minutes on the timer because it's not too short or too long for them. Then they go off and do their own thing. They pray, they think, they write about how it makes them feel, how it relates to their life, what they can take away, what they've learned, what Jesus is saying to them. You know, a couple weeks ago, my daughter, when we were done with our meditation time, she comes back to the table and she's six years old and she said, Mommy, I felt like I was going to cry and I don't understand why. And I knew it was God's presence and it was such a sweet, proud moment for her when she learned that and for me as mom because that is my biggest desire is that they would know him like that and to know that God was honoring that time was so impactful to me as a mom and it's those encounters that are going to root them when voices of the outside world come to challenge them or mock them for believing in this invisible God. It will never be a question or a doubt because they will know him. After the seven minutes is up and, you know, sometimes they do need a little more time, but we all make our way back to the uh, dining room table. And when we are finished, we each share what we wrote, what we learned, or what we felt like God was saying to us. Then we pray. Sometimes I lead the prayer. Sometimes they do. Sometimes it's all of us. Um, we just kind of go with whatever the Spirit is leading us to do. In a summary, we read it. We write it, we meditate on it, we share it, and then we all finish it off in a prayer together. Let's talk about the benefits of scripture meditation. And to be honest, the fruits of this dedicated time in his word are truly endless. 
but I'm going to share at least three of them with you that have been my personal favorite. One is that my kids remember the word and use it when they need it. Now, I've actually heard some horror stories from other people about having to memorize scripture as a child. It was something their parents maybe made them do, but there was no real lesson or experience behind it. The Bible is more than just a history book or a textbook that we get from school. It's more than just memorizing facts for the sake of memorizing and reciting. But more than that, as a mom, I want the word of God inscribed on their heart. And to do that, they have to have an encounter with God. Otherwise, it's not a true seeking. It's more obligation to do what we think we're supposed to do, to get credit by memorizing and just feeling like we did our part. That gets us nowhere with God. He is not after our works. He's after our hearts. So not too long ago, we were headed out for a Father's Day breakfast at Cracker Barrel. And to be honest, this was our first time out to eat since who knows when. But we pull out of the garage and it is pouring, like the kind of rain that makes it nearly impossible to see on the road at all. I do not like driving in this weather. Huge puddles that shoot up underneath your car, you know, the kind that make you hold the steering wheel a little bit firmer. I was voicing my worry out loud and my dislike for driving in this kind of weather. And my six-year-old who is sitting behind me casually says, mommy, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Like he said it verbatim. It was so crazy. I mean, how can you argue with that? He spoke truth into me. For my son, it was effortless. It was a natural reaction for him. And that is what scripture meditation does. It becomes part of them, not forced or pressured or obligation, but rather they can recall truth in situations like that and in difficult conversations. It's just right there in their back pocket when they need it. The second thing is that it makes room for the Holy Spirit to work. Now, when I teach my kids, sometimes it sticks and sometimes it's in one ear and right out the other. But when God ministers to his children, it always sticks. It always has an effect and a purpose because it's living. He speaks to the core of who he made them to be and the plans he has set out for them. I like to think that I know my kids pretty well. And as mom, I do for the most part. I can predict their reactions sometimes, their responses I know are coming. I know their character. But these are all things I know because they have repeatedly shown me by living with them and by spending time with them, I know these things. But God knows the unknown parts of my children. And that is what he speaks into my kids. He ministers to the parts of them that I never could because I don't know what lies ahead for them. I don't know what they will face or what their journey looks like. And as well as I think I know them, I don't know what goes on on the inside of them, the secret corners of their hearts and their minds. 
I know that God is preparing my children for the future that's marked out for them, a very specific future. These meditation times, they help build them for that unknown journey by an all-knowing and loving God. Now, my teaching absolutely does have value, but it's limited to my experiences. But God teaches them according to how he created them and what he created them for. The third thing that's beneficial is that they, and I mean we, get to put the word to work in our lives. James 1, 25 says, But be doers of the word and not only hearers deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Don't merely be hearers of the word, but be doers. Thinking back to my school days when we worked on vocabulary definitions, we would get a list of words we needed to learn the definition to. And I could memorize them and pass my tests at the last minute. But if I wanted to actually add them to my life and remember them long term, I had to look for ways to practice them throughout the week to use them until they became part of my daily speech. We can read the Bible all day long and not apply it to our lives. We can educate ourselves as if it were just another textbook or vocabulary word and still live our lives separate from what we read. But with the meditations, we put ourselves in the story. We allow ourselves to feel and imagine and we talk about how it changes us, what we would do in that situation and how we can grow from it. And since we do this together as a family, we can actually hold each other accountable throughout the day and sometimes even week as we're learning in a loving way because we shared the learning together. So not only do you have practical application from discussing it together, but you have accountability partners. And when we read it, write it, seek him in it and begin practicing it in our day-to-day -day interactions, it becomes who we are. And it would, when it becomes who my children are, they are rooted, they are shaped by the hand of God in their wisdom, character, understanding, love, and developed by their practice, by being doers of the word. Finishing up, mamas, I want to let you know if you begin this practice in your home. <laughs> when we first started, it honestly was kind of a mess. <laughs> the first meditation that we did, they didn't even remember what they were supposed to be thinking about. It took about four or five times for them to catch on to the idea, to, to catch a rhythm. So give some grace, but still guide them into healthy behavior and thought processes for this new activity. And you may be thinking, okay, this sounds awesome. Where do I start? 
the Bible is so big, so much to learn. Where should I go first? And really, there is no specific starting point other than just to start. But I left you a few scriptures that can help kick you off if you are wanting some guidance in getting the ball rolling. So have fun, and I hope your experience is as life-changing as mine.